0: Welcome back to the Nightlife Podcast, Season 3, Episode 24. Yes, it is, you know, we have just one more to go. Um, Guys, I don't want to waste much of your time as I don't want to waste much of my guest's uh, time uh, today. So I don't want to, you know, keep you guys waiting. I just want to bring him right along and we're going to dive right into this interview. Nico. Hey, how are you? How are you, my man? Nicolás Hoyos from White Feather here in Miami. For you guys that don't know what White Feather is, Pluma Blanca, um, they're our hospitality group, correct? Um, and they're better known for, uh, well, now they're better known for El Patio. But I, I would love for, for Nico to tell you a little bit about you know the venues that you've uh, been involved with, the, you know a little bit of the trajectory or where you guys are at today
1: hey how you doing um well i don't know how back you want to go
0: <laughs> no no i mean ideally i, I psh, bro you, you're you a piece of history in this in the city and and outside so so when it comes to nightlife i know a lot of people want to hear about you know uh, macondo days and whatever the beginning was I, I i don't even think i know what the beginning really really was
1: well actually i started uh, my first club was in 1991 in bolta um, when electronic music was just starting in Colombia. Okay. And I opened the first club. It was called Floristeria. Okay. And I opened, I opened with my partner. Um, his a, name is... A, a lot of hair back then, I suppose. Of uh, course. Hair, skin, <laughs> <laughs> The good old days. There you go. I remember that I... I, I, I that's when the, the year I graduated from, from school and I was... I started uh, studying law at Universidad de los Andes, and I opened this, this, it was a really big venue, and uh, I used to work at the bar, uh, my girlfriend at the time, uh, she used to work at the bar, my partner was the DJ, uh, uh, friends, it was really nice. So and as, was, as,
0: as Andres Lopez used to put it, the comedian, you know, Generation X, open a bar. <laughs> that.
1: <laughs> and that was my my first uh, club. Uh, experience then i had a, a few more in colombia and my first one in in miami was around 2003 with macondo mm-hmm. um, which was a colombian restaurant dinner party type right event in south beach which is a, at that time south beach was a really really nice place to be
0: right south so on 7th when 7th uh, street was the the thing no
1: It's on uh, Fifth.
0: Fifth, okay.
1: Five five, six five Washington Avenue. There you go. Yeah. And uh, well, we started there, and I don't know. Like for people that are starting, um, I think that uh, I had a, I had, I had a lot of help when when Macondo was going to to be born, and I remember uh, coming to to Miami and trying to open a venue. We were maybe one of the first two Colombian venues to open at a big uh, stage like South Beach at the time. Right. And I remember that uh, my attorney called me and said, it, "He found a venue that if I wanted to look at it, at that time Fifth Avenue, that that block was the worst block in South Beach. Yeah. It used to be a really nice block, but it then turned into a, a really a crappy one." Right. But the, but the space for me had a lot of potential. So I remember that we had a meeting um, with the owner and his attorney and my attorney. And when you were coming from Colombia to open a venue here in the States, uh, it was extremely expensive. Right. For, you, you could open a bar in Bogota at that time with, I don't know, $10,000. And mm. the equivalent in Miami would have been three uh, three $300,000. So that was something that was, extremely expensive for us right and and the terms of the lease were extremely expensive and so at the end of the meeting i I thought there's nothing i can do here and by the way at this
0: at this time nico i'm sorry to interrupt but at this time uh you start to become one of our competitions in a way Uh, of and and to be honest with you at that time i was like south beach on that street hell no they're not gonna make that you know like at the beginning, yeah.
1: With with Yahe, you guys came, right? Came, came after with Yahé. right? And and <laughs> I remember that uh, my my wife at the time, um, she said, call the guy directly. And let's get a meeting without without the attorneys, and, and let's talk to him and be honest with them. And I said, and I was like scared, and and she said, what do you have to lose? And I said, well, I, nothing. So I called the guy up. This was a, 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 an old guy. He's a sweetheart. Was a sweetheart. He passed away a few years ago. And and he didn't understand what was going on, why I was calling him and as his attorney. And he was really nice. And he said, why, why don't you come over to my house and and, and we'll talk. So we went there. And in short, he said, he gave me a paper and a pen. And he said, write your wish list. And I remember that I sat down and I, and I said, I want you to give me $150,000. I don't want to pay rent for a year. I want this. I want that. I want this. I want that. And I gave him the paper. And he laughed. And he started. Yes, 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 yes. I won't give you a year. I'll give you six months. Yes. And we signed the lease. I went back to Colombia. 30 days later, I was in Miami uh, starting construction. One month later, I was open.
0: Uh, and by the way for for those of you not from Miami Macondo was a big deal uh, over there as a matter of fact I think basically revived that street you know at, at least for for the locals because yeah. it was one of the issues it became you know South Beach became a, a tourist trap pretty much yeah. and 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 at that area right there for us locals um it, it just changed and it was not the only place that you had on that street in the end
1: yeah then i uh, then I opened the uh, soy. Um, which I sold, uh, and then from there, uh, I jumped to, uh, I jumped to Brickle and right. I opened the first Baru.
0: Right. Which is where, where probably this era of people recognize you the most from is more the, the Baru days and now at Winwood, you know, creating a new destination area. I okay. was telling you off camera, um, that a few years back we had a conversation and you, you told me, um, we should all come together to this one a new area and and all bring our our venues you know where where rent is a little cheaper and but we can all create the destination you want competition around you that is competing you know uh, healthy competition let's just put it that way not trying to draw itself down but work together um and at that time we were talking about the downtown area although it ended up happening in windwood you know you ended up being I, i mean i I think you were the first in Wynwood, no?
1: We were one of the first. And um, about what you were saying, um, yeah, I've been trying for years to to develop the downtown. It's been extremely hard. We, we could never get a group of, of, of entrepreneurs and people of the industry uh, to join and go and do it. So uh, there's a building which was the first post office of Miami, which in my opinion is one of the most beautiful buildings in, in Miami. It's a building from 1900. And I've been trying to do something there for the past eight years. Uh, eventually the, the building has changed hands, and uh, it was bought by a, by a group called Stambul. Uh, they're these guys from Venezuela, right. which are pretty cool, and they're, they, are, they think out of the box. And I met with them, and they said, Uh, we would like you to open a venue uh, in the attic in the last floor, in the last floor. And I said, I think that's really cool, but I don't think that that, that, that's the solution or that can work. I think that what we need to do and what I've been trying to do is a cluster of entertainment within the the downtown. Because if you're an isolated bar, it's very hard to pull the crowd and to pull the people. But if you have a cluster of six, seven venues within a very... uh, Short distance, right. it's it, uh viable that it works. And and I told them, let me come up with a few concepts for the entire building, and we'll go from there. So right. we came up with my company, which is White Feather, my partner Catalina, which uh, you've interviewed before, right. and my partner, uh, partner, who is Beto, which I think you also know. <clears throat> and we we developed these, these uh, six concepts uh, for the building, and they loved it. And we started this project two years ago, and we already we're almost finished with the attic, uh, which okay. is called, which is a high-end Latin bar. Right. And, and it's inspired in the, in the Pau Real, the bird,
0: it's, okay. uh, the, the pica. So, by the way, that's another thing I want to get into after when you're done with the, the, describing all these concepts is um, you and Beto, the two of you, like, uh, you guys are seriously creative you know um and i think that has a lot to do with the success uh, that you guys have had in all the venues the ones that you are con- still in and the ones that you're not part of anymore that continue to be out there um and and it's just that is is thinking outside the box creating new concepts that are completely different from what people are expecting and and, and i'm not talking about the music alone but but it is part of it, you know that that music-wise you go in a different route than the usual and and you know mainstream. Uh, but but when it comes to the creative side, where where are you guys getting all this? You know, power real. I mean, for example, uh, um,
1: usually uh, my ideas come from traveling, and uh, I, I travel a lot, and that's like my that's my passion. And in my in my travels, what I do is I go to restaurants and bars and clubs, and I'm always looking at uh, new ideas, new venues, and, right. and not only in the concept, but also in decoration and food and 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 cocktails and marketing, what 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 they're doing. So it's usually ideas come from from living experiences uh, someplace else and try to bring them to where you are. Mm-hmm. And with Beto and. One of the for people that are getting in, in the industry, or they know, or they want to, I think that one of the key elements and one of the hardest to accomplish is is, is the partnership. So uh, after I built Baru and we did five venues and I sold it, uh, I created this new company called White Feather, and uh, I invited uh, and convinced Catalina and Beto to join uh, this new venture, and. Each one of us has a purpose and has a a know-how in different aspects. For instance, Catalina is the best operator that I know. And Catalina started with me in Macondo. And she to be a a waitress in Macondo. Then she studied a bunch of stuff and she became a rock star. And for me to be able to go from one Baru to five Barus was thanks to Catalina. Uh, because you need someone uh, that has the skills to operate so right. you can do and Beto is one of the most creative guys on the planet besides being one of the best mixologists that I know and we've been friends for for many many years so right. that's we that's why uh, we came together
0: all right so you're and, all each a piece of the puzzle basically you need you know yes. to complement so, each other
1: and I, what I do is I come up with concepts and i and i'm the one that brings the 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 opportunities to the table i'm, I'm always out there looking at new spaces looking at new venues uh, trying to to create and do the negotiations and bringing in the investors have you so,
0: that's what i was gonna ask are you always you know working OPP, you know, with other people's um, OPM. I mean, other people's money. Are you usually sure guys? You guys invest yourselves. that, You know, I don't want to get too much into the business side, but but I
1: think that um, I, we don't uh, put money into the into the into the operations because what we bring on the table is the know how, and we bring the the not only the know how, we bring the concept and. And we're certified. We have a track record that show results. Correct. We we manage our companies and the and the venues that we run. Uh, the back part of the the in the front it can look like a total disaster, like yeah. you know, mayhem. But in the back, there is it's a very corporate uh, and procedure. And I think that's one of the one of the the reasons a lot of people fail in this business is once they think it's very easy and it's yeah. not it's quite difficult
0: they want to run the back like they run the front
1: exactly <laughs> they, they try to run it like uh like uh like we say in colombia like a tienda you yeah, know yeah, you yeah. Buy, and it's it, that's not the way to work this is a this is a um uh it's a business uh, it's a business where each drop of alcohol counts so you're you're counting pennies and this right. is a volume that you need to control it so there's a right Inventories are very important controls are very important your staff and we like with any other business I think that the the most important or key factor for the success is the people that you surround yourself with
0: right? You know Nico that I'm, I'm actually right now. I'm, I'm I don't know if you, you've seen that I've, I, I have a few courses and I built a, a online business that is called nightlife university and I have courses mm-hmm. in different areas of, of the industry, but I'm building a membership now that is actually out there to help people that are in the industry or that are not, that think that they want to open a bar or a business, whatever, and, and guide them in the right direction and all the things. And the you mentioned one thing that I, I, I always talk about is, and it's the money part. I also don't like um, investing when I am putting in the, the know-how. Um, the partnerships that I've had, um, which has been around 10 different venues here locally, has been um always doing the know-how except for three occasions where we ended up putting money and those in, in those three instances has been the negative the ones and and for different reasons and and one of them is you know they want you to put money but they also want to run it and they're yeah. not the ones that know how to run it you know and and you end up doing things by vote vote that shouldn't have been done you know and, and you yeah. and it's just that it's just finding the right investors that trust you to make the decisions that's the one that you know has the success story behind it you know
1: the investors there there's a very easy example of how you can of how you can explain this to investors for instance if you're going to invest in in, in general terms to open up to open a, a club bar restaurant in Miami at a certain standard talking about 5000 square feet you're looking between depending on uh, how high end or low end you're going to go and depending on permits but you can ballpark it between 1 million and 1.5 so okay. you ask your investor do you rather invest 1 million dollars uh, in this concept with a operator that has no idea what they're doing or do you if you want to invest 1 million dollars with a certified operator which has a track record that can that can give you money it's it's like if you you cannot make it a bet or a black and red right. you have to if you if you're betting on on one side you're you're, you're leaving it uh, to chance if you put it on the other side although there're no guarantees whatsoever and i always explain this to my investors listen i have a checklist for success right and i also- down my checklist and uh, the location concept decoration uh, staff uh, price point etc and there's always parking uh, everything goes into this list and at the end there's an x that's the x factor which is something you cannot check either you hit it or you don't hit it. it's a hit or miss but the, if, if your checklist is checked the probability of having of being successful is is, is extremely high right if you don't that's where you you make a mistake. So usually inve- the smart investors or the investors that you're looking for are those that that understand that they don't understand the business, so they let you run the business. too. and they're the ones who recognize the know-how as as a, as an important contribution to the to the concept. And then they also need to understand that just because you're bringing in the money doesn't mean that they get ninety percent and you get ten percent.
0: Right. Right. And, and but then, which and then
1: comes how 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 good you're at in negotiating how you go right through.
0: and and I understand that's going to be different in every occasion that's one hundred percent you know depending on the investment size depending on the know-how you know there's many things but there is a question there as to you know there's usually uh, an issue with what is more important and that is why most you know the, the times that I've had an issue with. I'm working on a deal and and I'm building something. There was one that I was working for two years, and after two years, they backed up completely. Backed up meant on my side of it, the equation, and they decided to go a different uh, route. disaster never opened. you know they just they didn't have the contacts number one. you no. know that's the first thing right away but the the point is The discussion is out there always between investing side and the, you know, the know-how and the operating side or the marketing side even uh, because I, my partnerships have been on those two sides, on the operating and on the marketing alone. Um, So, uh, you know, but as to what is more important and and I, the way I see it is you need them both. Yeah. But, you know, but it's not like I'm not giving value to the money. But there's a reason that you're thinking about giving me the money, and it's because you most likely don't know what you're there's doing. A, you
1: know, it, 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 both of them are extremely important. But in in our in our in in our in in what we do, right? First, the power of the idea. Okay, so the concept, whatever you create, mm-hmm. no? and then how you organize it, and then how uh, that you be that you're able to execute it. Because a lot of people have come up with great ideas, but they have no idea how to execute it. They right. go from idea to to the creation to opening day. It's it's extremely. It can be extremely difficult, or it can be extremely easy. Sometimes some venues they're like boom, it just mm-hmm. it just flows. For instance, for El Patio, I remember we were working for a, on a concept for Calle Ocho with a, a concept, and they called me on a Sunday morning. And uh, a friend and they said, and they said, listen, there's a there's a space available. And when would would you like to see it? I always say yes to everything. So I uh, because you never know. Right. You have to go and check it out. And 99 percent of the times it, 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 it goes nowhere.
0: And there's no worse feeling than saying no. And then somebody else taking it and being a success.
1: <laughs> and and uh, I remember I went there on a Sunday morning I and I just went in. And as soon as I walked in, I froze and I said, dear God. And I remember picking up the phone immediately and calling Catalina and Beto. And I said, you have to come. I think I was with Beto. I don't remember. And we called Catalina and said, you have to come now. And she said, Nico, but it's Sunday, 10 a.m. I don't care. You need to come now. And it was really fast because they already had two offers in. This was on a Sunday and they were making a decision on, on Wednesday. Uh-huh. So when Catalina came and she saw it, she said, oh, my God, now I understand. And we send the proposal. We send the, our, our proposal on Monday morning. And then we had to scramble and call everybody that we knew to try to get the money for Wednesday. We had 48 hours to come up with it. Not only that, we needed to create an entire concept, you know, build a business plan, and go out and sell it in 48 hours to try uh-huh. to get the money. And okay, so
0: wait. So El Patio, when you fall in love with the venue, you did not have the concept ready. before?
1: We didn't have the concept. We wow. didn't have the. We didn't have anything, and we had forty-eight hours to execute.
0: Wow! Uh, did it look like what it is already, or, or like? No,
1: actually, El Patio was not called El Patio. We came up the first when we went out to sell it. It was called Bomboni. Okay. So it was it was it was it was a concept based on rabbits. Okay. It was like Alice in Wonderland uh with rabbit type stuff and and that's how we went out and sold it okay and then to the investors and then well we got our, our our investor and during the process after we won the 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 bid for the for the space we started working uh, everything that needs to be done to 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 create it and i remember that i i i woke up one day and i called my partners and i and i told them no, it's not Bomboni. That's not the way to go. He said, what are you talking about? No, it has to be called El Patio. He said, are you crazy? What are we going to tell the investor? And he said, he has to trust us. I mean, it's Bomboni It's not the way. It has to be El Patio. And I explained my idea to them, and then I started bouncing off ideas with Beto, and El Patio was born. Yeah. Totally different to, to what we were doing. We already created a logo, a brand. We already yeah. designed the space. We had done everything, and I just woke up, and I said, no
0: is bon- is fun. is bomboni something that may happen later or uh, did somebody already take over that idea
1: No we have if you go to our to our webpage which is whitefeather and mgt.com i think and we have all the venues that we've done and we have a secret folder that's called Lobo Elite like remember okay. that back there was the helicopter that okay <laughs> Right right and that that's like a secret icon that we have with Beto and the in our webpage of all the concepts that we've invented and that we either haven't found a venue for them yet, or we started working on them and we couldn't do them uh, and they, and they stay there. And eventually they pop up. For instance, now the, the one, now that we're opening the seven venues in, in downtown, a lot of them were, were in a, we have, we have had thought of them before, and we adapted them to the to the new space.
0: Right. So the the downtown location, you were saying that it's seven different things in one. Is that what I, what I heard? Right. Yes. Okay. So, so so,
1: as in the attic, it's called La Real, which is the high end Latin bar. On the third floor, there that which is the only floor that's not ours. It's from Biscayne Brewery. They're mm-hmm. gonna have their their brewery there with a like a beer garden. Then on the second floor, we have a concept called Nomada, which is like a drinkery bazaar. You go in through a bazaar. It's, we went to uh, Morocco and we bought all the decoration over there. We brought it in a container. So it's like going into a, a market. Uh, you buy whatever you want. Uh, I mean, like we, since we have a full liquor license, you can buy a bottle of scotch, or a bottle of wine, or a bottle of tequila, whatever. And you're gonna have uh, uh, breads and ham cheeses and that right. stuff. And then the area where you sit down is like a lounge, uh, a Moroccan lounge. Then on the first, first floor, which is the, the the ground level, we have three concepts. We have the, the lobby bar, which um, is like um, New York style, style bar, which is targeted to to the offices and the courts in, in, in Miami, in downtown Miami. And it and it's going to function also as a lobby because now in the back of the, of the building, our partners are building a hotel. Yeah. So we had to change the entire layout of the first floor in the basement in order to become the amenities of the new hotel that's coming and uh, to make it work. So right. we have the lobby bar. And then we have a, 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 another concept that uh, we invented with Beto, which is called Frutonomy. Um, and, for instance, Frutonomy, um, I don't drink. And I remember I was in, in, in Germany, and the, the pairing of the food in Germany a lot is, is beer. And I was thinking, how do they take alcohol out of the beer? I mean, that's like, I don't understand. Right. And got if they can take alcohol out of the beer, they, they, I think they should be able to take it out of the rest of the, the spirits. Mm. And after doing a lot of research, and, and Beto doesn't drink also, and we discovered a company that does it. So we, got, we have whiskey, tequila, gin, vodka, rum, all of it without alcohol, zero calories and zero alcohol. So we designed an entire uh, non-alcoholic bar. It's like a juice bar, but it's not. Right. So the venue, is is a, it's uh imagine a little bit like uh, like faina, but more much more tropical, and it's a place. It's it's like a healthy bar because here in Miami you have you have both worlds, like like the really party world and the really right. healthy. World. Right. So We're hmm. trying to give this a try, and it's it, it but it works exactly like a regular bar. It has a DJ. It has happy hour, and it's the same, just it, it, just in a in a non-alcoholic way. And next to it, we have a, a, a another concept called Cabron, which is it, it's two parts. The first floor has a taqueria, street food type uh, taqueria. And once you go through the back, and down the stairs, um, it's one of the few places in Miami that has a basement. And in the basement, you have the restaurant of Calderon, which. So you can understand a little. It's like a baoli but Mexican. So it's yeah. a rest, high end it's a very high end restaurant. We just signed with one of the best Mexican chefs in the world. He's the owner and chef of Quintonil, which I believe came in uh, eleven in South in Latin America in the world and twenty six in the world. And he is absolutely out of this world, so he's our chef and he's also the chef for Cabron Upstairs. So yeah. it's gonna be with a very high end but very fun uh, Mexican flair, and it becomes a dinner party.
0: Wow, that, that's that's a lot. You know, the, the the good thing is you are creating the destination that you once said, "Let's all get together and, and have yeah. to do without having to need everybody else." Although I do hear that a lot of people are going into the area, myself included.
1: <laughs> that's the idea. That's what I. Th- once you're in, everybody else will follow. Yeah, because and and. The way I see it, Wynwood right now, uh, although it's it's very successful and it's very popular, uh, I don't know if you're aware, but before we had the the the, the COVID nineteen um, pandemic start, we were having huge problems with the city of Miami uh, regarding uh, the hours, or- okay. hours and noise ordinance, mm-hmm. and it was because of that. And, and the reason that started is because developers are coming into the area. Mm-hmm. And they're, and what they want to do is convert Wynwood and in a brickle. So that's where the, the fight started. But like when we spoke many years before that, I was also trying to get people to go to downtown. I was also trying to organize to have a, uh, an association. And that wasn't possible either. Now we have an association in Winwood, which is a very strong association. It's called... Uh, Wynwood Bar and Restaurant Association, and the strongest venues in, in Wynwood are are part of it. And it was thanks to this association and the attorneys that we have that we were we were able to to start a, a channel of communication with the Miami with the Winwood bid and with the City of Miami right. uh, in order to come to an agreement and to change the noise ordinance ordinance and make something that works for everybody. Right, but. The the, the the real estate in Winwood has become extremely expensive. Right. So it's very difficult to be successful if you're going to be working to pay your landlord. Correct. Correct. And and the the advantage that downtown has is it's already built. There's not that much residential. There's a lot of parking, and it's located right next to Brickle where where there's a lot of people with the income that you want. It's close to Winwood. Uh, it's close to South Beach, right? And they think it's beautiful. What, my dream is to make uh, downtown Miami like what happened to downtown LA. I don't know. Downtown LA many years ago was exactly like Miami. It was ghost town right. for five PM, and now it's one of the the hippest, hippest neighborhoods in, in LA. It's downtown LA.
0: So what? That's what, what that- it- it is what should be happening in in every major city you know it's it is what it is it's downtown and it has that vibe when you walk around the area it just has that vibe i mean you're mentioning for example uh you know having areas underground and, and attics and and buildings that that you can't really you know change on the outside that that kind of stuff you know it, it's, it's nice south beach doesn't have that
1: a lot of history that people don't know. It has a lot of history, it has a lot of magic. It, it's, it's, it's quite beautiful. It's, it, yeah. it's very, very nice to walk the area. Yeah. And once all these venues start coming, uh, actually, my partners are also opening uh, two blocks away, uh, a food hall, right. which some of the best res- uh, chefs in, in the nation. And, and that's going to be fantastic. I mean, that's, yeah. that's what we want for, a, for a city like Miami. Right. Which
0: I think like way over. Yes, <laughs> we we are looking for more locations actually closer to you. <laughs> I'm I'm probably three blocks away currently, and I'm looking you know more you know right there like you said it's, it's you build it and they will come. We're, we're all starting to come together. But um, before we go Nico, I wanna I wanna touch on a on a on a subject you just mentioned. Uh, you know uh, the COVID and. And all this craziness, you know, uh, you are home. That is weird. <laughs> I mean, uh, but um,
1: be- I think they are, we are the only ones that are still like in, in in timeout.
0: Seriously, it's weird. Yeah, it is. It is. So, but the but the question is this: before it came, I I already saw that there was some kind of evolution happening in the in the nightlife, um, and not like as many people put it. Some people are saying. Nightlife is disappearing, and I don't think that's the case. What I do see that that is suffering is nightclubs. The way that nightclubs used to be, this closed room, super dark with the lights and the DJ playing hard, and people sitting in a really small space and paying you know huge amount of money for a little space and and whatever amount of bottles that you would you know real estate was super expensive inside the clubs. This new generation, I believe, has become a little more into the you know let me you know share a bottle of whatever you know it could be wine it could be some food to you know pair with um, they party during the day brunches are are in demand high demand um, so a lot of things are changing but I don't think it's going away um, how how do you see it and and how do you think COVID has accelerated that or helped in the fact that it is evolving or or what what do you think?
1: Well what I think uh, regarding uh, obviously in the in the near future like the real near, f- near future we are submitted to social distancing and we're we're uh, we're going to open with a lot of restrictions uh, but eventually that's going to subside and I think that uh, human nature is social uh, people want to come together and you see it, by just looking at the, uh, at social media, the post, everybody wants to go out, you see people gathering, you see people. Now the restaurants are com- are, are, are working as clubs and you see the people partying at the restaurants.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And I think that eventually, uh, by next year, everything is going to be back to normal. I don't think there are going to be major changes. Uh, I think everything is going to come back to exactly where it was. Regarding the the, the club venues that you mentioned, uh, what I've noticed uh, worldwide, the tendency is uh, the mega clubs um, are tending to to come and become a, a smaller and smaller. It's easier to keep a smaller venue uh, full. Right. It's more, it's less expensive to operate. Okay. So I think that the tendency is that the sizes may come down, but there, there, I think there's always a market for for that. Dark, full of light, small space. Right. Uh, there's always going to be a market for that, but the tendency right now is uh, smaller venues.
0: Right. Definitely, I agree. Um, all right. So, what are you guys doing? What you're waiting? Are you all? Everything is closed for you?
1: Yes. Yeah. Yeah. We am. Um, we're still on hold. We haven't heard any anything. Actually, the association sent a letter to both mayors, Miami Dade and the city of Miami, um, asking when are we going to be able to open? Uh, because at some point we don't think it's fair that everybody's open and we're not. And
0: we don't get special treatment. There's not like a new, you know, no, PPP for and... the nightlife. <laughs> no.
1: And uh, the the issue here is, uh, and it's, and, and I'm not going to go into the debate if it's right or wrong, or if it's too soon or not. Uh, but what I do think is that we all have the right to work, mm-hmm. and that uh, we uh, we what we want to tell the government and what we're trying to tell the mayors is that we we deserve to open. Strip clubs are open. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> casinos are open. Everything is open except us. It's what like there's tell- there's no trust in
0: what we can do or how we can handle things or something. I don't know.
1: No sense. So what we're telling them is that we are ready to work, that we are a very big industry in Miami. Mm-hmm. We, we make millions of dollars and pay millions of dollars in taxes. And we hire thousands and thousands of people right. and Miami come to, and the people come to Miami because it's an entertainment destination. And we are a uh, part of that, uh, of that uh, right. allure brings the people. So what we're telling the, our city officials is, give us the rules of how you want us to operate, and we'll operate by those rules. You know, That's what we're asking. Just 100%. We operate the same way restaurants operating, 50%. And we are putting up all the plexiglass everywhere, and we're putting tunnels with disinfectant, and we're putting the thermometers, and we're putting masks and signs, and everything is touchless. Right. Everything being put in place. And we've spent thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars trying to put our, uh, putting our venues up to code for the new COVID uh, restrictions. And still we have no answer from the government. So I think that we have the right to to work like everybody else. I think that our staff uh, has the right to to work and we can work. If, If our new reality for the next couple of months is that we have to operate at, whatever percentage they determine it's, it's viable like they've said there's no handbook on this right let's play it by ear let's see mm. let's start out and let's start uh, building it up but we need to start Right. we need to start and we need to start now it's not let, let's see later no if everybody's open and mm. everybody knows what the what the what the, the the dangers are and what are the precautions that you need to take we can operate as as any other venue and any other uh, business in miami with the mm-hmm. restrictions go from there but we need to open our doors and we need to open our doors now
0: right i'm with you hundred percent whatever you need me to sign on i'm i mean <laughs>
1: uh, already said we already sent a letter from the association we sent it the day before yesterday so hey by the way
0: I- by the way if you guys are you know creating a new one for the downtown area we're also in there <laughs> Let, let us okay know. Um, 100%. Sure. um together for sure man it's always gonna you're stronger together for sure um Nico, it was really a pleasure having you here um, and, and bring all your wisdom uh, to the table. I know listeners are going to uh, enjoy this episode a lot. Um, if you can, give everybody your your handles where they can find you know, White Feather and more information on you guys.
1: It's whitefeathermgt.com or you can email me at nicolas at whitefeather.com. And my doors are always open. I help a lot of people. I answer all the questions. Uh, I think that... Um, there's always someone that helped me and I'm willing to help it, er, anybody and everybody uh, nice. with, with an idea, with whatever I can, that I can be helpful with. And I always do, my doors are open for everybody.
0: And I'm going to take you into account on that because I'm going to have you as a guest speaker and the membership, 100%. Um, you can count- guys, so remember you can find me on Instagram as the nightlife entrepreneur. You find all the episodes at nightlifepodcast.com, all the courses of nightlife.university and